Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever felt like running away from your problems? At face value, in the moment, that often seems like the easiest thing to do. Yet God wants you to bring those problems to Him and His Word so He can guide you along the right path. When we take that approach, we can often experience how Jesus comes alongside us. Jesus is so familiar with the painful difficulties of life on earth, He serves as the perfect guide in all of our problems. Genesis chapter 16 provides us with a great real-life example of this. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in the conclusion of his message, When Our Faith Fails. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So now the woman she works for, she hates. Then Sarai said to Abraham, or Abram, my wrong. Now that's a very tame word. The word is actually Hamas. That word sounds familiar to you, right? Hamas means violence or outrage. My Hamas be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. What a coward! And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she, Hagar, fled from her presence. So she takes off, she's pregnant. She's got Abraham's baby, and she takes off in her belly, and she takes off. Now, this is where we have to be really careful. People will say stuff like this to you. I can't believe the Bible teaches this stuff. This is why the Bible is a ridiculous book, and this is why I want no part of it. The Bible's not teaching that this is okay. The Bible is recording it. Some of us are old enough to remember when the news used to record what happened. You're slowly getting that. (laughs) Some of us are old enough to remember that. The Bible records history, doesn't endorse it. And a lot of times you say, well, it doesn't really speak against it. And this is what I will tell people who say that. Look at the results. (laughs) The Bible is assuming we're intelligent enough to go, yeah, that didn't go so well. So now Hagar looks down on Sarai, wimpy Abraham just plays dumb. Honey, I was just following orders. I was just doing what you wanted. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Happy birthday. Sarai gets harsh. And let's be honest, this is all of us when we stop trusting God. And until we see it, Things stay the same, or usually they will begin to get worse. Sometimes they look like they're going okay until they start to unravel. So they start to blame each other. Isn't that interesting? They're all blaming each other. How incredibly human. You know, Adam eats the fruit and he says to God, it's the woman you gave me. It's your fault, God. It's her fault and it's your fault. It's anything but my fault. That's the way humans are. We blame everything on everybody else. You ever notice that? How many of you know I have a cat? Most everybody knows I have a cat. 
We go on outreaches and people heard me on the radio. They're like, how's your cat doing, man? I'm like that beast. He thinks he's married to Pam. I'm always like, dude, I was here first. So the previous cat, he came with the marriage, not you. So I say to my cat. But I got to tell you one thing where my cat, the one thing my cat has my respect on. The other day I went into the kitchen. He knows he's not supposed to be up on the counter. And I look at him and he looks back at me and he's like, what's up with you? (laughs) He doesn't blame anybody. He takes total ownership. You don't like it? Lump it. (laughs) Right? I do what I want around this place. Mom's not here. What do you think she's going to believe? You or me? (laughs) Seriously, he just stares me down. I respect him for that. We read that Hagar, she fled from her presence or fled from where they were living. That's another thing we do. Like Adam, we, we, we run and we hide from God. We hide from our problems. And as, we see, as we'll see, she's returning to Egypt, the place of sin and slavery. And, and that always looks so good, doesn't it? When we come up with these logical ways to do things, to run away, or I'm going to do this. And we always imagine it. It's always like Shangri-La. You know, we, we think we're going to go to the place where there's no problems and everything will be great all the time. I'll be just sitting at the pool and somebody will bring me a drink and a snack and hand me a large check so I can stay next week at the place too. Yet choosing what looks good and seems logical that forgets the promises of God will lead us to disaster. Now, we do believe the Bible writer of the first five books of the Bible, where in the first book is, is Moses. And boy, I'm, I'd imagine he's recording this now. Obviously, he had gotten the story that was passed down. But, but what a warning to his people to be in God's will and to leave Egypt behind. If you know the story, they were, they were in Egypt. They were, oh, God, get us out of this place. And they went out into the wilderness and like, oh God, bring us back to Egypt. Because that's us. We're just never happy, are we? Never, never really satisfied. See, they had to leave Egypt behind. And because they didn't, their faith failed. You know, as the old expression goes, it took God one night to get them out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. But what happens next is unexpected, verse 7, and now the angel of the Lord. Let's stop right there. Usually when we see that in the Bible, most scholars will tell you that is what we call a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. So Jesus shows up because he's eternal 2,000 years before he's born in a manger. Now the angel of the Lord, and there's actually a little proof of that in this text. We'll see that in a minute. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur, so she's going back to Egypt. And he, the angel of the Lord, said to her, Hagar, so he knows her name, Sarai's maid, Hagar, Sarai's maid, he knows where she works and who she works for. Where have you come from and where are you going? Now, let's stop for a second. If he knows all this other stuff, why is he asking that question? God asks questions of us, not because he wants to know, 
but because he wants us to think these things through, to stop, to think, to process, to pray. She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Such grace and mercy. She's running away from the promises of God made to Abraham. You leave Abraham like Lot did. Remember we said that with Lot? You leave Abraham, you leave the promises of God. You leave Jesus, you leave the promises of God. And what happens? Jesus is probably sitting there in heaven saying to his father, well, listen, Dad, if, if Abram's not going to go after her, I am. I understand he's afraid of his wife, but we got we to do something. And so like Abraham and Sarai, like Adam and Eve, like you and I, Hagar's sin was not the end of the story. Maybe somebody needs to hear that today. Your sin is not the end of the story. Maybe your sin is just what God is going to use for a new beginning. Notice the evangelistic lesson that Jesus is teaching us here. Graciously point out the sin to Hagar. And then he shows her the way home. You know, there's not a time I've ever stepped into this pulpit or gone anywhere to speak. And even if I'm just talking into a TV camera, where I've ever for a minute thought there was not someone listening that needed to have their sin pointed out to them and to be shown the way home. It has never, ever occurred to me that that might be the case. Sometimes people will meet me after the service and they'll say, you know, Pastor Jim, sometimes the way you talk, you talk like you don't think everybody who attends our church is a Christian. I always go, is that a statement or a question? <laughs> and, and, and we have different ways of messages going out. If people are just they want to take a CD, we give them free CDs. If that's the way they still listen to things and stuff like that, I'm not against that. We'll buy people a CD player if you know somebody who needs that stuff. We'll send them. We have a, a mailing list. We send Whatever we have to do, because I'm always convinced that there are people who need to know the way home, and they don't know the person who's going to take them there. But here's the problem for most of us. We, we think, I don't really want to talk to them about their sin. They, they might feel bad about themselves. Well, in Ezekiel chapter 36, the Lord promised that he would cleanse people from their sins, give them a new heart, and the Holy Spirit. That people who were willing to be, wanted to be his people, he would do that for them. Cleanse them from their sins. Give them a new heart. Give them the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, if you've been around the Bible, you're like, I know all that, Pastor Jim. We've talked about that ver those verses many times. But listen to what Ezekiel writes, the Lord speaking in Ezekiel 36, 31. And the Lord says, Then you will remember your evil deeds and your deeds that were not good 
and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. In other words, part of coming to faith in Christ, part of the pathway to heaven is to come to the point in time where there's things about the way you and I live and think that we just hate. This is not self-hatred. I don't think this is self-hatred. I think this is hatred of our sin and our sin nature, and it is part of the pathway on the way to wholeness. It is part of the pathway to heaven. But notice how different God is than us. Notice how different Jesus is than us. We would say, hey, there is no reason you should stay with that miserable boss, Sarai. No way. To be honest, she probably knows that sending her back could mean more cruelty, possibly even death. But what is God telling her to do? God is telling her, I want you to turn back because with that man Abraham are my promises. In other words, I want you to turn. I want you to repent. And I want you, God's saying to her, Jesus is saying to her, I want you to turn. I want you to repent. And I want you to put your trust in me, not Sarai. I want you to take the first step towards eternal life. And that is the first step. And notice from Hagar, there's no pushback. She demonstrates herself to be the most obedient and faithful person in the entire account. She demonstrates herself to be more faithful and and obedient than most people we would ever meet. She ran away from her problems, but she's willing to return. She's not doing a lot of damage on the way out, so she's able to return. God will take you back, but if you've done a lot of damage, there's going to be consequences. One of our missionaries, Mark Walsh, is is fond of saying to people, as the Bible college over in New Zealand, He says, you can tell more about people in the way they leave than in the way they come. It's deep, isn't it? It's deep. But notice God doesn't let her or any of us off on our responsibility. Remember that this week at work. Remember that you are paid to do a job. You are paid to do the job that you are asked to do and paid to do. You are not paid to complain about the boss. You are not paid to do social media at work. Do you know what I hear from most managers tell me the biggest problem is they're spending so much time making sure their staff is doing their work that they're working after hours on their work. Remember that in marriage. Remember that when God says to stick it out, that you are to stick it out. Remember that when you serve God in any way, when you serve God in in ministry, 
in your church or if you're listening to this somewhere else in the church that you attend, when you're tempted to shoot off your mouth, realizing that you're hurting the ministry, or when you're just tempted to quit because someone said something insulting to you, Honestly, loved ones, friends, if I left this ministry every time somebody said a, sent a disrespectful email or text to me, I would be quitting about 40 times a week. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. A lot of times people don't even mean it when they do it. Not a big deal. Real love for God is demonstrated in doing what is right, not what we want in our flesh. We have to hurry here. Verse 10, then the angel of the Lord said to her. Now, now this is why I said there's some proof of the, who the angel of the Lord is in this. Notice the angel of the Lord speaks as God himself. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, speaking to Hagar, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son You shall call his name Ishmael, that name means God hears, because the Lord has heard your affliction. Do do you really believe that? Do you really believe that the Lord has heard your affliction? Now, some of you might be saying, well, I don't cry out to him with my affliction. I I don't mention that to him because he knows. Did you ever have something that, so, that you knew about someone and you just inside your heart you realized they need to come and tell me that? That's the path to healing with God is when you start to talk to him about it. Now, we're going to learn later on who he is and who his descendants are. It explains a lot of the problems in the Middle East. Verse 12, he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man. I always laugh when I say, when I read that, he shall be a wild man. Our first son was very mellow. Our second son was not. I remember one time Pam was with my mom, and she's like, I don't know what to do with him. I turn my back. He's like the cat. He's on the counter. (laughs) He's parachuting off, right? I mean, he's into everything. He's all over the place. He never stops going and going and going. I can't control this kid. I don't know what to do. My mother goes, just like his father. (laughs) He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So let's put ourselves in Hagar's shoe. Perhaps you have run away from God. Perhaps you feel insignificant. Perhaps you think he doesn't really care. She shows us that he does. God clearly cares for the fearful and the distressed. He doesn't care what her job is. He reassures her that both you and your son will live. Now, there's, there's a prophecy of separation from Abraham here. I don't think she picks up on it. But for her... I think he's beginning to say to her, let's move on from the hurt. And maybe today, maybe, maybe you have some hurt in your life and you need to say to the Lord, I'm willing to take step one. I don't know what that step looks like other than trusting in you and that is step one. 
but I'm willing to begin that process today. Verse 13, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? So she's saying, I've seen God. Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Some of you are thinking, oh, there's beer there. No. That means that the well belonging to the living one who has seen me. And then we get a little editorial. Observe it is between Kadesh and Berid. And then we get a note in verse 15. Verse 16, actually, so let me read verse 15. Uh, so Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram moved, named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. So interesting, she told him the story, and he actually believed that she saw God. He's like, oh, I know what that's like. Tell me about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, he, he sounds like he, she saw God. Trust me. Then we get a note, verse 16. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham, to Abram. So here she exclaims, I know God sees me, and now I can say that I have seen God and lived. She's truly blessed. She knows that she's part of the whole mess, but, but God's love for her is clear. And when God's love for you is clear, that really can change everything in your life. You see, that same God who sees you, is the same God who wants you to see him and sense his love even, and maybe even especially, when your faith fails. 2,000 years later, Jesus meets a woman at a well in John chapter 4, and she was knee-deep in sin. And Jesus talked to her about it. But Jesus' love turned her into a follower of Jesus and a worshiper of God. She too was far from God, but she was from Samaria. And they didn't, the Jews normally didn't walk through that way. They walked around it, and Jesus was like, nah, we got to go that way. They're, like, they're probably thinking, like, what is he doing? Every time we think we know what he's going to do, he does the opposite. Why was he going through Samaria, why was he going to that well? He was going to meet that woman. That's why he was going there. He came seeking her, just as I believe with all of my heart, every time I step up here, and today is no different, that Jesus has come here today, and he is seeking you. And he is seeking me. How does Jesus do it? by stepping them into the messiness of our world. And he actually did it 2,000 years ago when God himself became a man. Interestingly enough, it tells us about him that he was submissive to his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. Can you believe that? Hey, Jesus, you know, go pick up the yard. I'm God, man. Who are you to tell me what to do? <laughs> right? <laughs> None of that. None of that. God had Jesus be submissive to poor parents from a dump called Nazareth. But since there was no shortcuts for us to receive the forgiveness of sins, Jesus had to come and he had to live a perfect life in our place. He had to die a sinner's death on the cross in our place and to prove that God was okay with it. He rose him from the dead for our sin and our rebellion. 
so he could bring those who put their trust in him to God. Like Ishmael, Jesus was born under very strange circumstances. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary, but it was the only way for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Interesting, the New Testament records Abraham as a man of faith even when he had failed. Why? Because his sins were taken away by Jesus Christ on the cross and they were washed away. So today, friend, if your sin, if your shame, if your failure, if they haunt you, turn to Jesus. Turn to the one who sees you, who brings glory out of your failure, the one who comes to you today. Put your trust in him and come home. Come home to the place where you will be most welcome. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.